Welcome to episode 8 of Whippets and Flat Caps. You will notice that I am not non-regional middle class Will Perry, but John Wilkin, and I'm here with... Mark Flanagan. Good to have you, Mark. I sound like you're a guest, you're not a guest actually. It's, it's yeah, I'm here most cast. weeks, yeah. yeah. Every week actually. Well, yeah. you're here more weeks than Will is. Yes, he's done 50% completion rate at the minute. Um, but yeah, I'm here. Had a win on the weekend, uh, all's well in Mark Flanagan's life. Excellent, yeah, good good result for, for Salford against uh, Hull FC. They were missing Albert Kelly, a few key players, but um, you must be pleased with that result. Yeah, we played well. I discussed previously that we were beating ourselves rather than you know, being outplayed by the opposition. And uh, we tidied a few things up. We concentrated on uh, holding the ball a bit more and, and we did that. Um, Hull were probably a bit depleted. Um, you mentioned Albert Kelly. They didn't have Danny Howerton, Mickey Payer uh, and a couple of others. But we, I think we thoroughly deserved the result. Um, it was a tight game for the first 50, 60 minutes. And then I think we wore them down and, and came away with, with the result in the, in the last, last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, Howerton and... Kelly are crucial for all I'd say, but um, they're a big side and a physical set. So to, to get that result, you've obviously done a, a good job physically against them. Because I think Howard and Kelly can break you down, but if you if you have a good defensive day, that you can nullify them as a threat anyway. So it sounds like Salford would have had a good day out anyway. Yeah, I, I think through the middle, we, our forwards played well and we just limited their yardage. And um, they have a lot of players that try and play off the cuff, and we just kept turning up. And yeah, we we were really happy with it. You had you had a good game. I did all right. Yeah. Oh, well done. Playing in three in a row, yeah. Very well done. We got cel- we celebrate that yeah. here in Whippers and Flat Caps. Mark yeah. played. Well done, Mark. Have ten pints. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, so Will's away. Um, do we know where he is? Somewhere posh, you'd imagine. Skiing, I think. He'd be in a, yeah. Be Ski chalet. Some. He will be. Um, yeah, we'll have a chat. We'll try and get Will on the phone. For us, Flash, bit, you know, a disappointing game. We've, we've started the year so well, but we had a disappointing performance against Leeds. Did, did you did you manage to watch the game? No, no, I was too busy celebrating uh, well done, my, yeah. my, my appearance. You're the best. Um, yeah, for us, look, Leeds are a fantastic side. I, I think they've got a knack of winning games when they shouldn't really. They don't particularly play well in games, but they come out the other side and win. They just hang in. And I think what they did against us was hang in and hang in. And we went in 12 all at half time. We should have been up by 10, 12 points. Um, and then the second half was just, a, 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 you know, made it difficult for ourselves. They scored a. You know, if you maybe lucky tries, but they just hung in and worked really hard and picked up all the scraps. And that's maybe what Leeds do that other teams don't, actually. The, yeah. the, 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 they find ways to win in scrappy games. Richie, Richie Myler seems to have um, complimented uh, their style of play really well since he arrived. He's, he's probably a bit more of an organiser than they've had the last few years, but he's also can play really off, really well off the cuff. And um, yeah, he, he pops up and, and, and scores a few tries, but he's also directs them around. So I think he's been a really smart acquisition for them. Um, in the off season, and I think Joel Moon, I think for me is is one of the most dangerous running uh, halfbacks in the competition. He, for me, was the difference at times because although you've got Myler with the structure and shape and organising for them, that Joel Moon just has a knack of finding space, of creating opportunities. Of he just wanders around with the ball, gets the ball back off his forwards, and then finds inside shoulders, runs, falls through the line. He made two or three clean breaks in the game, and having watched the game back again, you know, I think Joel Moon. In, in broken field situations was ultimately the difference. Mark Flanagan looked up at me in a very shocked manner there. We're in Mark's flat, beautiful uh, flat, overlooking, beautiful flat overlooking central Manchester. We're looking out over the the um, the gardens opposite uh, the flat. There's um, 
There's actually there's quite a rag specifically there's quite a ragtag bunch of people out there, Mark. It's quite good for people watching. Yeah, he's definitely doing illegitimate things on the left on the bench. But Mark, Mark reasoning. Mark looked at me so shocked. Was the dogs are in Mark's flat? John's beloved two dogs are here, and they're just. Just got the muddy paws all over my nice new city, so mm. well, yeah. in a minute. He's not you're not an animal lover, Mark. I am a lover, but it's not for animals. But are you scared of dogs? Yeah. Mm. Mm. My dogs. The old dogs, yeah. Old <laughs> dogs, can you tell me the what you told me about dogs? You scared of dogs that don't know you? Uh, specifically big dogs that I don't know and can, might be unpredictable. <laughs> dogs by their very nature are unpredictable. You but never know what they're thinking, do you, so. For those people who are interested, probably not very many people, I've got a Sprudel, which is a sp- Springer Spaniel cross with a yeah, Poodle. Cares, mate. And a co- yeah, cares. we'll move on. Anyway, other results going round, having a look. Warrington with a great result against Catalan, uh, 26-0. Is that a sign Warrington are, are good or is it a sign that Catalan are... Uh, 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 not good pants um, bit of both uh, I think with the new signings Warrington have made it it was always, always going to take a bit of time for them to gel and bed in it looks like that's happened now Ben Murdoch Masilla got a couple of tries for Warrington um, Catalan are struggling um, to concede 26 points at home is you don't deserve to win the game if you're doing that and they're not scoring any points as well I think they had the young kids it's a pretty bad combination that yeah we're not going to win many games Uh, we are terrible at defending and can't score many points yeah well we play them next week so I'm not going to slag them off Mm, that's Uh, not what you were saying off there but yeah, they just—I think they're struggling um, with with the halfbacks. I mean, Walsh isn't playing. Luke Walsh, we both played with at St Helens. They've got the young kid Lucas Alibert, who's probably still pretty inexperienced. And then they've had to shift Greg Bird from the back row to to, to, to play six. So yeah, they're not going too too great down the south of France. No, yeah, and I think getting Greg Bird to do the things that he's good at is going to be really important for them. So yeah. a good acquisition in the halves or somebody who settles Greg Bird down, getting him doing what he's world class at, I think is really important for them. Mickey McLaurin, like you said, coming back into the team, he'll make a big difference. But for Warrington, green shoots of not a revival, but just that's a good place to go and, and, and be disciplined and produce a good performance and I think one thing you could say about Warrington at the start of the year is they haven't been particularly effective with the ball but to score 26 points that usually means that Daryl Clark's had a good game Ratchford's been involved and their key players on the ball have, have had a good game they've had a bit of the struggle the struggle in the halfbacks as well they've far from being settled they're developing a new uh, combination in Brown and, and Tyrone Robertson. I think everyone's just taking a watch on that and seeing how it develops. But two great players, but they they just need to get going uh, yeah. for Warrington. Uh, and then the the other probably more surprising result was KR beating Huddersfield thirty eight six. I didn't really see that one coming. Yeah, no, nobody did. I don't think anybody did actually. I think if hand on heart, you're expecting Huddersfield to win. It's you know, it's one of those games where it's twenty points to twelve to Huddersfield, and you, you felt as though Huddersfield with Danny Brough and, and the likes would be too strong. Akuma Tai and Ferguson, who's playing well in in the back row for them. I was I was shocked that OKR. Not I think got the result, but the manner in which they got the result was shocking. Not the fact that they beat Huddersfield. That's within the realms of yeah, possibility, of course, isn't it? But it was, it was how they did it. It was a trouncing, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they seemed to complete really high in the second half because the conditions weren't conducive to an open, flowing game. So they held the ball and, and won the battle of attrition. Uh, and do you see the break by Robbie Mulhern? The, the yeah, front row? insane, like speed, power. And then I love that where you get somebody who's, who's genuinely enjoying making a break. Yeah. 
as a middleman to make a break like that is yeah you, you'll be dining out on that for, for a while over and yeah over. and as me and you know when you make a break like that my first instinct is to immediately look around for other people yeah i'm that slow so you, you might when you get in the open it's it's fear yeah like i'm scared i'm like why am i here? i'm more scared of that than i am of dogs. yeah i'd rather not something. make a break yeah because you have to make some big decisions when you make a break just i'd rather pass the ball to somebody else who makes a break and then let's all run over and celebrate but um have you made many breaks no, not 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 recently. No, me neither. No, no, not our thing. No, we'll leave that to other, well, there's other people who are better at making breaks. Um, some big talking points this week for me. Josh Charnley's going back to uh, rugby league to Warrington from rugby union. We've got a big telephone guest um, in Sam Burgess, obviously experienced at both rugby league and union. Uh, just before the uh, well, just into the start of the NRL. Um, England have, you know, got well and truly beat in, in the in the, the Six Nations and, and, and didn't look comfortable. Um, so I think, you know, it'd be right to spend a little bit of time discussing the, the, the differences, the subtle differences between the game. As a rugby league player, when you're speaking to a layman about the sport, how many times do you have to explain the difference between rugby league and rugby union? All the time. It's it's one of my biggest frustrations. So I spend so much of my life explaining the difference. In let's see, it, how would you explain the difference between? We usually go something like this. What do you do? I play rugby. Oh yeah, they lost to um, Ireland at the weekend. I watched it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Not play. that one. No, it's not that one. The lower profile one. The lower profile, rough working class. Rustic. One. Oh, Wigan, have you heard of Wigan, Salins? Yeah, those kind of teams. <laughs> I play for Salford. They don't never even heard of Salford. <laughs> so you just go straight to the top, yeah, Wigan, yeah, Salins, yeah, yeah. everyone knows them. Yeah. And then say, yeah, well, I play against those teams. Because yeah, yeah. you what have heard of Salford. Yeah. Well, I think one, one thing I do is I say it's the same pitch and the same ball, but aside from that, yeah, there's not. there's no no similarities whatsoever. Fifteen players and thirteen, um, but it's it's hard for me. Obviously, John Wilkin is very close to Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkins, he's much better than you. Yeah, so he's like yeah. world class. I'd love to be friends with him. Internationally yeah. famous uh, rugby union really player, good. and I sound like to the if you again speak to people who don't quite know, yeah. it'd be like being called uh, David Peckham. And being a football player, yeah. you know, no, it's a bad example because everybody would know David Beckham. Da- David from Peckham. David from Peckham. Yeah. David Peckham. We spend a lot of our time, Flash, as we've just talked about, discussing the differences. Now, Josh Charnley's come back from from Rugby Union. Would you say that's an unsuccessful foray into probably, a different code? You'd probably have to say yes, based on the fact that he played for his country at Rugby League and didn't manage to do so in Rugby Union. Um, but of the games I saw of him play for sale, because I do watch quite a bit of Union, I thought he did really well. Um, however, I think the two games are very different, and I, th- I think a lot of rugby players' best assets don't transition well to Union. So Josh is a really good finisher, he's a real solid player, he's skillful, uh, but as a rugby league player, he, he gets his team on the front foot with a lot of backfield carries, uh, makes a lot of metres. But in rugby Union, those... Um, those attacking skills that he possesses aren't needed. He doesn't really have to carry the ball out of backfield and get a roll on for his forwards. Mm. Uh, I think it's as a winger in Union, you've got to be more clinical with and more qu- uh, athletic and probably quicker because you don't get many opportunities, but when you do, you need to score them. So I think the attributes needed are still, even a, a more simple position like wing are very different yeah and I suppose we're going to speak to Sam about this when when your asset is potentially work rate 
not 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 just work rate, but one of your key assets is work rate. I find it hard to translate that then into a successful code switch. Um, and 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 maybe there's it's be fair to say actually, Flash, wouldn't it? There's less work rate demands on rugby union players, different work rate demands, but less in terms of volume of tackles, of carries, of yeah. meters made. On, uh, for example, if we're talking about Josh Charnley or, or Sam, a rugby union back as opposed to a rugby league back. That being said, they have to have a different skill set. They have to be more skilled in certain areas. Yeah, it's don't highly they? technical in a lot in a lot of positions, and I think it's. Um, it's patronising for rugby union players to assume that a rugby league player can just pick up those technical skills within half a season, a season, and then play for for the, the country of a different uh, a different sport. And you know, there's some great rugby union players that could probably play over in league because, in some ways, it's it's probably more simple in in some respects. And well, let's look at Sale because they've actually obviously got two had two rugby league uh, converts in in their squad. So they've they've highlighted the fact that the north northwest or the north of the country is a great breeding ground for rugby players for them. They're, they've gone into the rugby league and signed Denis Solomon or Josh Charnley, the two, two, probably two of the best wingers around at the time. Um, Solomon had worked out, you know, he, he's sort of in and out of the England setup. Charnley didn't quite get that. Now, for well, people who don't yeah. know, what's the difference between those two guys? Well, I think one difference is Denis Solomon has played Union as a kid, so he's probably got that background and that skill set that is able to, to transfer to, to play for Sale. And secondly, I think as a rugby league wingers, I think they're very similar in terms of they're both at an equal standard. However, Josh is probably, like I said, better carrying the ball out of backfield and probably a stronger ball carrier, whereas um, Solomon is probably quicker, maybe a better finisher. And I think that's more of a a big value as a rugby union player is purely finishing rather than having the other attributes that Charnley has. I think you're right because it limited chances to contribute in rugby union means that when you do get a chance physically or mentally or skill wise you've got to be on point and I think Denny Solomon is sharper he's quicker than uh, Josh Charnley not necessarily stronger or or, or um, had a better worker but when required in rugby union Denny Solomon is more devastating and if you're only touching the ball twice you can imagine being a winger in rugby union I watched them play and even again Sam, Sam Burgess who we're going to speak to shortly when you watch those guys play rugby union it that look sort of waiting and watching to get involved in the game, aren't they? Rather than being able to influence the game. Yeah, I think that was one thing that where Sam perhaps, I don't want to say struggle, but in league he's always around the ball. He's always kind of involving himself in the game, making his own impact in the game. Whereas I think um, he had to wait wait for his opportunities, which probably didn't suit his personality. And I think looking back on his, his time in, in uni, I think the re- the reason that attracted him to Union was the chance to play in a World Cup. And obviously he only did the one season, but I think after that World Cup had ended and he wasn't having the same same joy, not having many involvements in the game, I think the, the attraction of playing there without the the, the, the the World Cup and big occasions on, in the horizon, I don't think it was as important to him. Yeah, and, and look, look, Sam was uh, is, a, is a superstar uh, in rugby league. He's come back into the game in the, in the NRL seasons underway. Um, well, I, I think he was he was world class. Had the potential to be world class at rugby union, but should we speak to Sam and uh, find out what his thoughts are? There's a bit of background noise. Is that all right, gentlemen? Yeah, yeah that's all good, that, mate. That yeah. sound good, Sound good, yeah. What are we up to, Sam? What are you training? Mate, I'm, uh, yeah, I've got training. It's a big day today. Oh, yeah. Um, got in, uh, 
no. what we call defence day. Oh, oh. defence day. Is that tackling and that wrestling? Beth, Beth, no, Beth. it's that thing that goes around fence. Defence. Oh, uh, D. Like gangster fence, defence. No, do you know defence that goes around the field? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I thought he meant as well, but Flash didn't get it. Oh, I didn't get it. He didn't get it? No, he didn't get it. <laughs> I got it. have to explain. Didn't get it. Yeah, uh, he got it. He got it now. He's got it now. Yeah, he got it now. Today, boys. <laughs> Good. What's going on back there? Now nah, we're just sat in the basement talking to you, really. It's a bit weird. Right, cool. So we're just, we'll just start now then. Hi, Sam. How are you doing, pal? Yeah. Yes, very well. Uh, thank you, good gents. How are you boys doing? We're doing good, mate. We're doing good. Where, where are you, Sam? What, what are you up to? What's your morning been thus far? Thus far, well, it's um, it's early morning here, so it's just just going seven o'clock. I've got out of bed and got myself uh, off the train. I'm in Redfern at the moment. Currently, just about to get some breakfast. What's breakfast? Before, um, what What does a big big, big human day. like you, Sam? What do you have for breakfast? Uh, this morning I've gone for uh, just got some scrambled eggs, um, a bit of avocado, and um, some chili. A bit of chili, I have a bit of chili always in my breakfast in the morning. Don't mind that. Mental, you are right, mental. You Mark Flanagan's the, the commissar. What's, what do you have for breakfast this morning, boys? Uh, cocoa pops. Yeah. 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 I, I had just two pieces of white toast, dry, and a yeah. coffee. Because we're northern. Right. Yeah. Times are hard, mate. We're not on the big. We're not on the big cash. You know what I'm saying. We're just. We're just to keep it pretty simple, <laughs> mate. So big, big day of training down at, uh, at South today, mate. Defence day. Yeah. What What does this mean? What What are you going to be up to? Well, so our we prep is um, this is game day minus four. So we will play in four days. So today we we, we tend to um, we'll have a good look at we're playing Manly this weekend. We'll have a good look at their attacking shapes. Um, and our second team will, um, you know, run, run their shapes as best as can, and, and we'll get a crack at defending them. Really, um, so it'll be, it'll be live. It'll be almost full contact. Um, you know, getting us prepped for the weekend, and then we'll lead into day off tomorrow. Um, so, so we'll get a lot of work done today. We'll, um, it's probably our biggest day of the week. Uh, so I guess we're in early seven o'clock, and we'll we'll wrap up by three thirty, four o'clock today. I think. A oh, pretty long day then. Um, you boys have had a pretty slow start, um, zero from two. Um, how, how are things going though? Is it, is it uh, you've been beaten or you've just not played too well yourselves? Yeah, look, probably round one we um, we, we started slow. And, um, you know, we, we lost the game. We turned the ball off too easily. gave gave too much possession to New Zealand, who you know this year uh, really fit. Isaac Luke's playing some good some good football and. Um, Get them around the park, so they probably beat beat us. But I think on the weekend we played Penrith and fourteen nil up at half time, and they come back and beat us eighteen fourteen, which is pretty disappointing. Really, they scored in the last five minutes, um, and we just didn't control the game uh, as well as we should have done. The second half, we stopped kicking the corners, and, uh, and we had yeah, we, it just makes no sense to you. We had only twelve player balls in there, uh, good ball in their twenty meter zone, and compared to their 48 in hours uh, throughout the whole game so you know I think we, we turned up well defensively as a team and we scored twice on last play but uh, you know unfortunately we didn't get the result and, and that's what we're there to do you, You've got to be on every week in the NRL Sam haven't you you can't have down weeks can you I know it's the start of the season but let's just talk us through that yeah. the intensity of the competition you know how brutal is it yeah, well, mate, there's no such thing as a down week. Um, it just doesn't work in the NRL. I mean, you know, we see some of the results early in the season already. I mean, um, you know, West Tigers beat Melbourne Storm on the weekend 10-8. Uh, 
you know, the week before, West Tigers beat the Roosters tonight as well. So, you know, every every team uh, can beat anyone. Whereas, you know, West Tigers are tipped to to get the wooden spoon, wooden spoon, so to speak. So, um, look, each team's littered with great players, and, and, and look, we're all well coached. We're all training hard, the same as you guys back home. We're prepping extremely hard every week. So, um, look, if you're not prepared or if you're off by five percent, you're not going to get the two points. You know, in the competition at the moment, each two points this early in the season are, uh, you know, extremely valuable. So let's let's just have a little chat about England, Sam. Look, you've you've represented England uh, both codes. Um, this the World Cup for for England Rugby League was, for me as a, as a, as a as an observer of the competition, was a, was a big success. I thought I've never heard so many people or players speak so positively about a, a campaign. Um, you know what? What? What was it like inside the camp? Because from the outside, me sort of calling games, I, I couldn't believe how positive positive everyone was about Wayne Bennett and about the setup. So it, it, that that can't have been false. That had to be true. No, mate. Honestly, uh, Will it is unbelievable. The uh, you know we spent a good eight eight and a half weeks together, and um, you know I think if we had a choice, we'd have all spent another eight and a half weeks together. We really enjoyed each other's company. You know, Wayne's a master. At, uh, bringing the team together, I think we've we'll, we'll seen it in the NRL this this week. <laughs> the the press have been hammering Brisbane, and he turned his team around to beat the Cowboys over over the weekend uh, in six days. You know, I guess he had eight and a half weeks with our squad, and yourselves know what the the, the English boys are like. We're down to earth. You know, we're working hard. Um, you know, we all wanted to beat Australia. And, you know, Wayne respected that and loved that. And um, you know, if the team's willing to work, he'll he'll put his effort in as well. So. You know, we, we stayed in some great places together. We spent a lot of time in Perth, which a lot of the English boys loved, which we were fortunate about. And, um, the weather was brilliant. You know, we, we, we trained extremely hard when it was time to train and, and then when it was time to relax and enjoy each other's company, we did that. So, you know, there were some great friendships formed and unfortunately we couldn't get the job done on the final night. And the, the most pleasing thing, though, about it, John, was, um, you know, no one, no one in Australia gave us a chance. No one really respected England. But we made the final and, and we pushed Australia to only 6-0 victory and I, you know, I think given again if we'd have taken a few opportunities on the night it could have been um, it could have been anyone's game that night so look we, I think we've certainly got ourselves a bit of respect over here in Australia uh, which I was going to say has that made, made people sort of sit up and take note because you know the, the, the Super League is is well supported you know I know that all the guys over there love watching the Super League but the, the, the overall perception is obviously we're, we're the, the competition over here is not as strong. I think everyone would agree with that. But but did this England performance in the World Cup did it make people stand up and take note? Yeah, it certainly did. I think, and, and the perception is that uh, World Cup, which to, to be honest, it, it, it pisses me off. <laughs> uh, which I don't know if I can say that in your show. Yeah, no, you can't. Can. Yeah, piss, um, piss, piss, cock, well, piss. You can oh, say great, what you like. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and it's frustrating. Obviously, being so passionate about English sport and uh, being an Englishman, and then. That's why I guess it just meant so much to me and all the other uh, Australian-based players. You know, it made it made the, the the people in Australia sort of have a bit more respect for what we're doing in the UK. Um, you know, for where we're going as a game. You know, for the players that we're creating and, and, and the potential we've got. So, you know, I think I think that's why it's just so important for you know the mid-season test to go ahead. Um, obviously, these things. You know the insurance and, and things that need to be ticked off for, for players so they're safe and, and protected. But I just think it's so important for the growth of the game. 
internationally. You know, we, we saw other nations, you know, Tonga do extremely well uh, in the campaign as well. And you know, equally for England, where we want to get to is, um, you know, number one in the world. And for us to do that, we need to be playing more games together and spending more time together. Uh, now, you might have seen um, the uh, England Six Nations team had, had the worst performance in, in the competition um, for a number of years. Obviously, you spent a good 12 months over here uh, playing rugby union. How, how do you look back and, and see your time playing playing for Bath and for England? Yeah, I look back fondly, in fact. Um, it, it's, uh, obviously, I've got zero regrets in my career. You know, it, it, it's funny, I caught with uh, Jeff Parlin, actually, in Coogee. Last weekend, um, he played at Leicester, and he's a second we, rower, we isn't played he? at England together. Second rower, yeah, yeah. Um, great guy, and he's, he's over playing for Northern Rebels at the time, and uh, well, he's now. I caught with him in Kudji uh, a couple of days ago, and we, you know, we just had a good chat about our time in the World Cup camp, and you know all the training that we did, and some of the funny memories we made. So, uh, I had a great time. Obviously, disappointing the way it all sort of turned out in the end. You know, with the media and uh, yeah, you know, you got a lot of scrutiny, Sam, didn't you? I mean, like the, the, you've always attracted attention. You know, you're a, you're a superstar of, of rugby league, but that for me, again, knowing you, I think that was maybe the first time that there was maybe negative press about it. Like, was that different? And so, sort of how did you yeah. deal with that, or did did do you give a shit? It's you know a, what I mean? Yeah. I didn't. To be honest, Wilco, if um, if I'm honest, I. I, I really did read um, a paper. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know what was being said about me outside of being a sanctum, really. Which sounds cliche, but we were away in Pennyhill Park, uh, which is um, obviously a nice hotel down in, yeah, in, in in London, outside London Bagshot. And um, you know, everyone kept saying about the media, the media, and and I'd not come across it because I'd not read it. I was in my own little bubble. Um, and the only time I guess it got brought to my attention is in when I had to go on face press conferences and it had come up. Um, so if I'm honest, I was kind of protected from it, which is probably a good thing. I mean, um, I didn't read any of the, the, the good things or all the bad things, uh, which in, in your career is probably a good bit of advice. It's not to, to really get too caught up in what people are saying, good or bad. You know, and and for me, it all, I guess when it all finished and it had all blown over and we were out of the World Cup, I guess, and I went back to reality of, uh, being back in Bath and, and playing at Bath Rugby is, is when um, I guess it all started to sink in and I could sort of see what had been going on behind the scenes and you know I, I guess I just disappointed a few people uh, and lost a lot of trust with a couple of people that, that um, I put a lot of trust in and um, you know disappointed with the way it finished but essentially it, it didn't mean enough I guess it didn't mean enough for me to, to be there and, uh, and work hard enough for I remember speaking to you after it all happened and and you were, you were telling me about a few games when it was freezing cold in the middle of winter and you'd touched the ball a couple of times. Now, anyone who, who sees you play rugby league, they'll know that you're, you're all action for 80 minutes, you'll do 40 tackles, 15 hit-ups, and you're everywhere. And that's that's what you love about the game, isn't it? And from I, I didn't see the same Sam Burgess playing rugby union because it, it probably didn't suit your game. I fully agree, Matt. Um, you know, and... and uh... Yeah, I have to understand that, that that's the game of rugby union, and, and and I respect it for what the game is. You know, I, I grew up playing rugby league. Um, you know, so it's all I've known. So to to not being able to influence a game when you're down by five points, or you're down by a, a goal kick, or you're down by something, and you physically cannot influence the game because the ball's not coming to you, uh, I found that the most frustrating thing. Whereas in rugby league, you can influence a game with anything. You know, because you can always get your hands on the ball. You can always come out and make a tackle or you can always do something to try and inspire your team 
whereas in Union, uh, you're really just limited to the amount of time that you you can get access to the ball. So, you know, that, that was uh, one thing I struggled with. But in the end, I mean, I learned to respect the game for what it, what it was, to, to make the most of the opportunities you got with the ball, uh, sometimes few, sometimes more than others. But like I said, I, I, I would never rubbish the game because now, after being and playing at the highest level, I watch a bit more rugby union than I did before I went, and um, I've got a lot more respect for the, the players in the game. What What's the biggest challenge, Sam, crossing over? We've just had Josh Charnley. He's returned now to, to Warrington in, in the Super League over here. He's been at Sale. Um, what is the single biggest challenge for, for rugby league guys who, who, who want to make the switch? Uh, the, the, the biggest challenge, obviously, is the breakdown. The, bre- the breakdowns are complicated. Um, but but the, if you're willing to work hard, they're, they're easy enough to learn. And if you don't overcomplicate yourself, then they're easy enough. Stick to the simple facts of the game, uh, and then it's easier. But if I'm honest, the biggest the biggest thing to learn is the change in flow of games. You know, the change of end to end. You know, rugby league and making six tackles and receiving it back. You know, sometimes you get starved of possession. Uh, you might be scrumming for ten minutes. You know, and and it might sound silly, but some players can can deal with that. You know, I know Ben Teo at the moment playing with England rugby. And, you know, he's quite a relaxed sort of character. So he can deal with that and he can sit back and relax and wait for his turn and he might wait three or four weeks before something happens, whereas a lot of personalities that are playing rugby league, they, they, don't, they don't want to wait. They want to play, they want the action, they want it every you know couple of minutes. Um, and I, I guess I find that the hardest transition is um, transitioning you know, the, the game mode. Now, Sam, you've been in uh, Australia for a good eight years, was it eight years, 2010? Uh, with your first year, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So you've been you've been over there for a fair while now. You've got the accent. The accent's coming, isn't it? You, you know keep, what I mean. You it's keep the, saying football uh, as well, yeah, which well, is getting on my. No, tips. you have, mate. Uh, you well, have playing football, mate. Football, I, I, you spent yeah, eight weeks when, with the England see, lads. When we, when we get when we get asked over here, it's all football. So I'm just getting used to saying football. So I do apologise. And even when he said avocado and chili before, it was like a, chili, a bit of chili. Have a bit of chili on my breakfast. <laughs> chili, you mate. Now, now, what do you miss most about about the UK and like living up north? And well, I suppose when you lived in Bath as well, you had a great time. What do you miss most about the UK? Uh, yeah, I probably miss the people. Um, some, yeah, great characters up north. I guess uh, when the weather gives you that, you've got to have something, aren't you? And it's, uh, it's always a good sense of humour. So yeah, the northerners have got. Um, Good sense of humor, but you probably miss the people. Um, but other than that, uh, guys, to be honest, um, not a lot. Everything, everything I had back home, I've, I've got here. You know, it makes it easier. All my brothers, except Luke at the moment, are out here. My mum living in Australia. I'm obviously now married to an Australian. Uh, I've only got a little daughter, who's um, you know she's uh, half Aussie as well. So you know what I do miss. I, I guess I kind of make up now for, for what I've got here in Australia. You've got a pretty good setup, haven't you, mate? Mm. Got a big, yeah, you got, you got a big head, right. though, haven't you? Too Most of the time, it's pretty good. Yeah, he's got a, you got a large head. Who's got the biggest head in your family? <laughs> mate, I've worked out how you could test test this, right? What you'd have to do is fill a bucket full of water and get them all to dunk the head in, and whoever displaces the most amount of water is the winner. So I want, I'm lining this up, right? James Graham, I want yeah. him. He's got to dunk that big oh, red head of his. Yeah, yeah, that's a big cow head. Isn't it? I don't know if it's just the mane, like the lion's mane, like strawberry blonde, gingery yeah, sort of hair. Yeah. Whereas you've got, you know, you've got that tight sort of short back and sidesy thing. Got a big, 
You've got a big header. But, but right, I tell you, I tell you another way because sometimes with that test rod, John, is yeah. some heads might get dunked further in than others. I mean, yeah, that's you know, true. How far in do we dunk? Mm. So I think we should just go basic two measurements. Yeah, around the you know, put your eyebrows and around, and then it's almost under your chin strap and around the top. <laughs> <That's good enough>. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Mate, you've you've won you this know, hands like down. You've won it hands down. Hundred yeah, percent. I've thought about this before. I've thought about this before, and and me and James Graham, if we ever had to measure up, I think he'd have a bigger head than me if you added the two measurements together. Well, could you do us a favour? Could you measure your head? And what yeah. we're going to get is just, we're going to get a chart up of the biggest heads in world rugby, and uh, yeah. we're probably never yeah, going to get anybody else to measure the head. So I think it's I'll just do, I'll do it. Just for shit's and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, yeah, lads. I did. A, I had to do an interview the other day on Fox with you know Brian Fletcher who played at Wigan. Yeah, he was at Wigan you know, when I was there. Yeah, great player, a uh, great guy. Yeah, uh, he does some great things on Fox over here, and uh, he was mocking me on TV. We had to go and sit mocking me on head on TV, and like. I suddenly noticed he had a huge head and uh, coincidentally there was a tape measure in the restaurant we were at <laughs> so we did a tape measure of the both of the both measurements that I just said the chin strap around the top and he had me by two centimetres <laughs> it's an optical illusion now, then that, that is a big sleeve yeah so he's, he has got he's got the long nose now. as well we should get his head as the, as the pinnacle <laughs> so we've got Fletcher Burgess Graham in third uh, Fletcher, Graham, Burgess. All right, okay, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll give you that. We'll give you that one, mate. <laughs> and how are the brothers doing, Paul? Um, obviously, George didn't didn't make the World Cup squad last year, and he was obviously a bit gutted with that. How how is he trained, and how is he looking for this season? Yeah, obviously, really disappointed not to be selected uh, with the English squad, and yeah, probably a huge kick up the backside for him. But he, he's had a huge off season, uh, huge pre season. In, in you know, in the first two rounds, it's probably been one of our most consistent players so uh, he's looking for a big year and Thomas you know very consistent for his last year during the World Cup you know probably one of our standout forwards so you know the boys are in uh, English shape and looking forward to having a big year really you know and like I said it's very early on in the year but, but they've both been playing some, some good football so far or in fact I'll say some good rugby so far some good rugby, rugby. Some rugby. Good, good rugby yeah. league I actually saw a video good that rugby. Tom sent me of George doing a 300 kilo box squat and he did it like it was a piece of piss I yeah. think I'd have an yeah. anal, I'd have an boys, anal prolapse if I did that. Yeah. Like literally, just my. You've not got an ass, have you? No, I haven't. I'm not physically Mark, very good. Flanagan, I can't imagine you doing that much leg weights. I did 200 kilos today. If you, you want to watch your brother, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. A box what? Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. I swear to God, I did. I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on yeah. that. I did it with Luke and George Griffin. The what, skinny, what, but the strong you're guys. Us, you're giving us the names as though we're going to ring them and check. We'll ring them done. next week. We'll get Luke on. No, no, we're not. Yeah, you've paid him. Yeah, you've well, him. hey Sam, th- thanks so much for for joining us, mate, and, and enjoy the uh, the sunny defence day that you're about to uh, yes, undertake. And good luck this week, Van Manly, mate. It's due to be 28 degrees today, I think, lad. So need a bit of sun cream on and get stuck in. Yeah, just get get two liters on that forehead, yours. <laughs> awesome for Sam Burgess to take some time out there um, and take our call on the way into training. Big defensive day for for Sam by the sounds of it. At, at I hate those days. I know they're awful, like the really? contact days, and they will bash you. You can imagine training against Sam Burgess. Yeah. Because there's some players in your career are full on, aren't they? And I can't imagine him being anything but 100 percent at training. No, I think Souths have got a reputation for being pretty ruthless because when Michael Maguire came over from Melbourne they were all about wrestle defence 
and I've heard stories about their, their defensive sessions and they're insane. I think that I think Wigan kind of followed that that lead a few years ago as well. So yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's, nice it's got ball. like a window of effectiveness that, and it being that intense because you break your players as well, can't you? Got, <laughs> I mean, imagine training against Sam at full tilt. You know, at the start of a week, you'd still be sore by Friday night for the game. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd, be, I'd have the white flag out there. I think. Yeah, exactly. But tough start for them actually in the NRL. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing the NRL. Like they were the dominant team three or four years ago, and then they've struggled for the last two years. It seems like the, the league flips on its head more seasons, and uh, they've had a tough start. Um, two losses, uh, but the likes of him, Greg Inglis, his two twin brothers, uh, Adam Reynolds, have got strike players all over the park. So I think I think they'll come good. Yeah, they're yeah, it's a matter of time, really. Yeah, they're too good. But the NRL is an intense competition, so you're right, Flash. Anything can happen. I thought it was really interesting listening to his views on his time in rugby union because we can talk about Sam being world class and, and being probably the best rugby league player in, in the world, which he is. You know, he's yeah. probably the best rugby league forward in the world. Um, he had a fantastic World Cup campaign for England. Um, you know, he does things on the rugby league field that other players can't do. He competes at a level that um, people can't. But his time in rugby union, he, he, was, he was frustrated with um, your sense um, and, and maybe disappointed to, that it ended how it did. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I was just, your dogs are messing around again. Give him a slap. Um, yeah, I think he was a bit disappointed. I think he felt a bit let down by some people. I think after the World Cup, he went back and played for, for Bath and. He wasn't enjoying his rugby, and your career's too short to not enjoy what you're doing. I think he explained his intentions to go back to the league. I think following that, I think he, he, he kind of got a lot of blame laid at him, and a lot of people came out in the media and, and gave him a lot of shit, to be honest. And yeah. I thought it was, it was interesting there how it, it would have been an easy opportunity a couple of years on for him to fire back or, or slag all the individuals off. Uh, but he, he didn't, and he held himself with a lot of class. And I think that's one of his his um, his biggest assets. So despite being a great player, he's he's great in the media. He's, he holds himself in such a high esteem, and I think that's one of the reasons why he is such a superstar. Yeah, I think he was misunderstood because I remember doing a five live um, phone in about it, and, and they were looking to get like a rugby league person's view on Sam, how he was as a person, and there were sort of questions about his character. I thought at that time, you know, about he'd just come for the money. It's essentially single-handedly trashed England's World Cup campaign you know that's what it was being portrayed as and then he left and then they were trying to get a take on him and those who don't know him like Sam's motivation would be family family success being a champion being a leader and I honestly think obviously let's not be around the bush there was a financial incentive to do what he did and a profile incentive to do what he did Sonny Bill Williams had done it in rugby union there's very few players have done it in the world so I think there was those things around it but ultimately Sam wanted to challenge himself didn't he and um what interested me was the way in which he was spoke about in the media. Some of the language that was used by the national press, I thought, was, was a shambles, really. And it was, it was a shit reflection upon where they're at. And the independent newspaper, I think, at the time, David Cameron had made comments about migration, internal migration. And, and what he said, I think he referred to the, the refugee, or he, he referred to people getting into the country as a swarm. And, and at the time, people were saying how important language is and how using the wrong words at the wrong time can influence how people think about something. Basically, the difference, I thought, was with how people spoke about Sam, was they, um, Sam was referred to as a, a rugby league refugee. 
it, you know, in, in the newspaper that had already criticised David Cameron for using the word swarm. So I thought it was the biggest load of hypocrisy ever to refer to somebody in what's the negative connotations attached to being a refugee. It meant somebody who's escaping, you know, seeking refuge from an inhospitable sort of homeland. You know, that, that imagery was is full of snobbery and full of hypocrisy when the same newspaper had suggested using the the word swarm was 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 the wrong language to use by by somebody in a position of power well i think from day day dot when he moved over to union i think they were waiting for him to fail and uh, even if they had a successful world cup I, I still think people would have found ways in which sam didn't play well or sam they could have won it with without sam or uh, i think they just wanted him to fail i think it's it's the age-old argument between rugby league and rugby union I think snobbery exists both ways. Yeah, it does. Though, yeah, I think it does. I, mean? yeah, I, I think we're as bad the other way around, and we're, we're as critical. And, and well, I think the Rugby Union has a platform of the national media to 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 lay that snobbery down. I don't think anyone's going to read the Manchester Evening News or the Salford Courier, or whatever it is, just to, yeah. to hear people's views on 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 Union players coming to league. But I think I did think it was sad that you know a, a lad like him who who just wanted to probably play on the biggest stage and and win a World Cup for his for his country, whether it's in league or union, was was met with, with with such views. But the scrutiny what you get at the top level of sport, something that we're never going to experience, Flash, let's be honest, at the top top Ta- level from from top top level of sport is intense. And Sam became probably a handful of rugby union players who were most recognisable in the world. And with that comes scrutiny and pressure. And I think one of the biggest issues with Sam going into the Rugby Union World Cup, and I don't want to labour this, the Rugby Union chat about Sam, because you know he's back in rugby league and I think we're awesome to have him back. But with Charnley coming back into the game, with England crashing out of the Six Nations, I think it's important to, to, to get these sort of topics on the table. I, th- I think... Um, Snobbery did exist and stopped, hindered Sam from, from, from doing well. But I honestly thought it was too early for him to go be thrown into a World Cup. And I thought, not just too early technically, and I think it, it wasn't, he played well in the World Cup for England, Rugby Union. But I thought the Rugby Union public still weren't quite ready for him to be it there. It was all a he? bit of a mess though, because he was, he was playing flanker for his club which is like a technical back rower in the league. Um, and he was playing really well. I think in the final, they played, might have been Saracens in one of the finals and he was the best player for Bath that day and he was playing flank. But then when he went into the England environment, he was playing inside centre. So to play two very different positions for your club and country, um, it's just, it doesn't seem like it was it was very well thought out or there was a, um, a, a joint agenda between... Bath and England to get the best out of him. Yeah, no, and you think yeah, Flanker would suit him. He spoke about work rate in his interview and spoke about Ben Teo actually being really relaxed about work rate. Yeah. And Ben Teo seems to be not flourishing, but he's doing he's all doing right. Well, yeah. He's doing all he's right, doing right well. isn't he? Um, what about the England, right? The England game against Ireland. One really interesting thing for me is we had Owen Farrell, Andy Farrell, Andy Farrell, uh, legend of rugby league player, Owen Farrell, his son. Can you even imagine coaching against your son in such a high profile game? Um, I, th- I don't know to be honest I think they must take emotion out of it and just both think I'm here to do a job and then just 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 plan and, and execute as well as they can for their team but it must be Do you think fundamental to Ireland's plan would have been defensively plotting the demise of Owen Farrell? Yeah I suppose he's, he's the main the main attacking threat for England and his dad he's, Andy must have been tasked with, with stopping him so 
Do you think he was like sneaking into his bedroom and trying to find his tip I, sheet? I'm guessing he probably doesn't sleep at home with mum and dad anymore. Not like you. Not like me and my mummy and daddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've moved out a long time ago. Honest. Honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is a weird one because he might see slight flaws in his son's game yeah. uh, and try and... It'd be a bit of a mind game between yeah. the two. He, he probably... Kn- Owen would probably know what his dad thought of his flaws and then he'd kind of try and counteract that and it'd be a fair bit of mind games going on. You see, I see this with you and your dad, right? Because your dad was a good rugby player. You and your dad have rugby chats, don't you? Yeah. But you confine it to a very limited period of time. You give your dad... Could you just tell everybody what One Father's Day, I was running... I was... I forgot to get him anything. So I managed to run to the shop and then I thought, I'm not going to be a present. So I broke up a bit, bit of paper and wrote on one hour voucher for rugby chat with Mark, 2016. Has he redeemed it? He's, I think he redeemed 54 minutes of it. So he just does like a two minute spell and then we bank it. And then I go. think that's a good way to do it because you can imagine Owen, Owen and Andy Farrell sat, they're having dinner, they've gone out for a family dinner and you know, you, you want to put the ball away, but it's inevitably maybe going to come up. I wonder if they've got a similar strategy. Yeah, because to, to reach the, the pinnacles of the game like they've both done as a player and a coach, uh, you must be you, you're infatuated with the game you you, you yeah. love it so you do want to speak about it and probably someone who's like minded as, as yourself to speak about it we talk about rugby all the time because yeah. we, we, when we're on the same wavelength um, so there must be the, the need and want to do that but but there's an element of escapism in sport you know actually because sometimes I, I quite like speaking with people who don't know about it not don't know about it but as in I can imagine not, and I think you and your dad get a really nice balance in it is that it could be quite intense that do you know for me I, I enjoy sometimes being the most knowledgeable person about rugby in my house <laughs> what are you and your missus and your two you dogs friends like that you, do, you, didn't, you need to step off your left foot more yeah, <laughs> yeah, can I, yeah. you know what I mean I just I can imagine that being intense but unfortunately not you know not too bad yeah. but no Ireland got up and I suppose Andy's probably had a lot to do with that and it's probably been a big coaching change for them and they've improved massively this last 12, 24 months yeah they have and I think he'll be he's been held as you know working wonders for for Ireland and and rugby union consistently takes you know the the skills of rugby league coaches and makes the most of them. Yeah, there's you know, loads. There's, there's Sean exam- Edwards, all there's Mike over. Ford, there's Andy Farrell, there's Graham Steadman. I think is is coaching somewhere. There's Mike uh, Mike Forshaw, Paul Deacon. You could yeah. could list as so the talent drain actually players wise is less than the coaching yeah. talent drain. So some of our best coaches, rugby league coaches, have been recruited by rugby union and are influencing the game of rugby union at the top level. And that might be more of a worry than than the players because there's there's not a huge drain going on but and the players got all the press as well but probably yeah. the coaches flying under the radar a little bit and it's, I think it all boils down to money as well I think they've probably got a bigger bigger budget for coaching so there might be four or five six coaches in any rugby union team was there might be only a couple in a league team and um, yeah you, you don't really blame them because they're following the, the money and the poten- potential for, for great success well we're just uh, hearing rumours that Will Perry's just finished his um 16th van show of the day what's a van show hot hot wine see the fact that you know that 
suggests well, to me that you're trying to get away from your working class route. You live in Cheshire now, no, don't you? I've just been to Paris, Mark, where you can, it's no, on every street. I've discussed this with you before. You you do, you're trying to elevate yourself to being a bit, bit, bit more. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get involved in the race to the bottom. What you want me to get involved in? What do you want me to do? Just keep like, be more working like, oh, class. Yeah. I'm going to start like I'm fixing cars yeah. and drinking just bitter. bitter. I before do bitter. You do drink bitter. <laughs> not before again. Uh, sometimes. Half time. Where are you, Will? Bonsoir, bonsoir à tous les gens. Bonsoir. On parle en français cette semaine si ça marche, mais je pense que ça marche pas pour, pour Marc. Très bien, très bien. Uh, comment très ça bien. va? Uh, very good, thanks, John. <laughs> um, actually, I'm in, the, I'm, in a, I'm in a chocolate box Swiss village in the French-speaking part of Switzerland called Grement, which, John, to you, probably has a bit more gravitas and... You know, someone like yourself who has a bit more je ne sais quoi. Yeah, that's uh, right. You're going to appreciate that a little bit more than Mark. But yeah. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. Excellent. And what what are you doing? Are you using your room? What you're wearing? What you're doing? I'm, I'm actually not wearing anything. Are you naked? Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, completely. Are you guys naked? Yes, yes. we're yeah, all yeah, naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Prove, yeah. Prove Don't like wearing clothes. So. so I'm just sat here. My mum's downstairs. Uh, I've been skiing. Is she naked? Your mum or she? What's She's she? naked as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, good. But yeah, this you know, beautiful place, about John. You, you'd love it. Founded yeah. in, in 1052, 1052. With, a, with a population of Is that when you made your debut, John? So you made true. your debut around that time, didn't you? It's pretty early, 1052 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Not long before the Battle of Hastings. That's that's good good uh, good geography stats by Will and Perry. Another, and then another stat I'll give you is I used to live here 16 years ago. So wow. I've come back to see some friends. What were you? Wow. Uh, why were you living there, Will? Um, I was a ski instructor a long, of course long you time were. ago. Of course you were. <laughs> a you were a chalet boy. Then. I knew you were. I just knew you were. Didn't I wasn't you? a chalet boy. I yes, you were. Make, make that clear. Any illegitimate but, um, children knocking around? Are there any children knocking around? Yeah, yours sowing seeds 16 oh, years right. ago. Um, po- quite possibly, actually. Yeah. But you know, yeah, I used to I used to teach teach children. In fact, I still do teach a little bit out here. It's quite. You know, nice change of scenery, charges up the batteries. By the way, so I've come out here, and obviously we can't do the whole podcast on Skype, which is which is unfortunate. But I feel like there's a bit of a Julius Caesar moment going on back in the northwest of England that you're trying to you're trying to out me from from this. Mm. You've got no, you've no. got Sam Burgess on instead of me. Yeah, no, we would never try and out. You know, we 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 uh, we love having you on, Will. Whenever you yeah. can make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a, a, a big, a big uh, point of making it more often when I get back. <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> Good lad. That's that's all the commitment we need. Uh, yeah. Well, we've but got. How, how was Sam Burgess? I, 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 he, he's Luke's brother, right? Luke's a friend of mine. I, I've never heard of Sam, but Luke's. I know Luke well. Looks yeah. a good line. He was in good form actually. He was just was on his he? way to uh, way to training. We talked uh, rugby union, rugby league, World Cup, a uh, bit of the NRL. We also talked about head girth, and uh, <laughs> he's got one of the girthiest heads um, in rugby Whose league. Head is the biggest out of the Burgesses. Well, he, he he sounded pretty confident. He, there's a guy called Brian Fletcher who played in the NRL. He, he, who Sam assures me. Uh, they measured head girth recently that, that he has a bigger head than Sam so goodness gracious yeah. me. So I mean what... listen I, I love you know I love Sam but, but he's no George and he's no Tom and he's no Luke but those, yeah, those guys have got some big heads yeah there's, they've got volume haven't they huge they huge volume well we've rang you for a reason Will go on we set a challenge for the podcast listeners last we week did. to come up with a question that what was the noise that we wanted to make after reading the question it was a bit it was, it was a bit like this 
We had we had hundreds of thousands of responses. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, after we got rid actually, of all our friends and family, we had two. <laughs> correct. Uh, Carol had a good one. But she's excluded. Carol. Um, love Carol. Yeah. Um, do you want to get on, mate? Because it's not your show. Oh, sorry. I thought it was. It's, you spoke too uh, much last week, so just keep it a minute. Uh, okay. So we asked you, lovely people, last week to tweet in with um, a question that would make us go, what, John? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, uh. And, um, and I've, I've, well, I've, I've hand-selected a winner from here. So, um, obviously, Rigi Bianchi, our great friends, great, great furniture store in Macclesfield, have very kindly sponsored the Thinning Flash section, where we will measure Mark's head. You'll have to do this, John, for me when I I'm will. not there. Obviously. I will indeed. Um, and we asked for yeah a question that would make us go oh, 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 really really think and and this is the one I think I think it's come in from Neil McKeown who's uh, looks like a lovely lad from his picture he's got a, <laughs> trying to zoom in on it he's got a picture of a pint and I hope that's his daughter I think it's his daughter how do you look uh, like a lovely lad in a picture he just looks he just, smiling he just actually just looks like a great lad <laughs> and he's he's from uh, Witness which is in England mm, by the don't way, let's not hold place. that against him yeah um, and his question is this. Which teammate, past or present, girlfriend slash wife, do you find attractive? <laughs> now, I mean, I can kick this off and say uh, Marks, uh, um, but you're not a teammate. But it's not. But it's not. Yeah, but it's not for me. The question. So uh, let's go to Mark first. Mark. I remember when I was in the academy at Bradford and I first started training with uh, the first team, and I was, I was pretty professional about my <laughs> rugby, and I was, I was half wanting to become a professional, and then I saw one of the the first team is Ben Harris he played for Bradford for a few years and he had an absolute Center. yeah he had an absolute glamour of a missus so I, so I thought if I become a professional rugby player I might be able to get a, a nice looking missus like that <laughs> so that was that was the catalyst for me to take that rugby is a true story, that yeah. is a true story yeah <laughs> so that was the catalyst for me taking rugby league seriously so thank you Mrs Harris it's she was cool. Aussie. She was really good, yeah. What's Aussie, what's Aussie got to do with her being really good? I just, I just didn't know her name, so that's the only fact I knew about her. <laughs> she's Aussie. She's, she's an Aussie. Australian. And she's called Harris. <laughs> Oz, Australian Mrs. Harris. Mm. That's a good... I know. I actually, I actually... I'm sure you brought that that story up on your wedding day or something. No, my dad did. Week. Yeah, he did, your actually. Dad did. Yeah, dad, yeah, it's dad. tricky. It's a fact, though. It yeah, is, I wasn't really asked about rugby. Then I thought I'll get a, I got a fit oh, wife, a flash car, and a, and a mm. flash well, wife. You've got a lot of examples around. Obviously, Terry and Sue. Sue's mm. nine, Sue. maybe ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten. Stop she's a ten out of ten, isn't she? Lovely lady. I'm making it. She's not been well actually, my mum. So she's listening. Get well soon, Sue. Get well, get well soon, lovely Sue. Lovely, lovely Sue. Anyway, moving on. John Wilkin. Yes, mine actually, ironically, it's not ironic actually. It's a man who we've spoken about recently, and I'm going to give you some clues okay. um, to who this man is and see if you can work it out. And whoever gets it first... Uh, gets yeah, a prize. Gets a, a, another meal for four at Arigi Bianchi. <laughs> um, he was recently tasered six times. <laughs> uh, well, Scott Moore. More. Scott, more. Scott Moore. Scott Moore, when he first came through at St. Helens. When, when he was he, 16? No, when he was, yeah, but I mean... He debuted at 16, so... Yeah, but he would have been, <laughs> like, yeah. 
so when he first all right three years in then let's say he's been 1920 he was seeing um a, a, a lady who a was lady. studying to be a vet oh smart she, had she the happened to be sort of nine out of ten intelligent but also smoking hot she was uh she was so like batting she used to, she used to hang around with some great pussy <laughs> cats cats <laughs> this is why you're single isn't it well have you had a few beers this afternoon no it's just it, oh, inebriated and she's a vet and will was re ref referencing felines the cat yeah not vaginas jesus can we yeah vaginas you can say. Is it, so is your answer scott moore's missus <laughs> yeah so no, that was scott moore's scott moore's ex it's been like 10 x's previous i think um <laughs> that he probably surprises be, me. yeah he's probably gonna have a uh, we no, should it's... give a big shout out to Scott Moore in prison tonight. Actually, listening, all the best, Scott, and um, and great story from John. <laughs> mm, thank you, oh, thank you very much. So, Will, but, what's um, what's the rest of the holiday hold? What what are we well, doing? Are we before, getting some genuine well, skiing? Before I answer that, I just want to say on that subject, you know, who had the worst misses? <laughs> oh, that's not a question. Are you after a meal? That's not a question. Are you after a meal for four at Origi's? <laughs> oh, I mean, just give us a clue. You, know, you gave us a clue about. No, I'll tell you a story. We had a, um, an impromptu awards night in a pub after the season, end of season last year, and one of the lads was absolutely like snotted he'd had about sort of 50 pints and mm. decided to do a series of impromptu awards and one of them one was in it was a top three obviously for all things and one of them was who's got the worst misses um <laughs> which went down like a fucking fart in a space suit as you can imagine uh, i think there's very nearly punches thrown uh, also it was who cost us winning the grand final this year one two and three and uh it was gene it was it was right up your street, Will. Who You'd presented have, it? The, uh, it was Tommy Lee, who's now at Hull KR. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine him saying that. <laughs> he was dressed as Ace Ventura, fancy dress, and he was doing this really risky. Like I was, I thought it was genius, but uh, some of the people in the I know who line. he would have voted for us to have the best misses. I didn't, didn't do the best. He just it? did the worst. Just the worst. <laughs> it was a this really cynical awards. <laughs> that sounds like Tommy. <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, I think I think going forward, mm -hmm. and, and again, this is another punt to tweet your questions in a question because that was a good one. To be fair, wasn't it? it got us talking. Yeah, yeah, I think. What about actually putting the four best questions? Uh, to all have a meal together at Riggy That's what we said. <laughs> so we four said random that. question makers. Yeah, yeah. We, we get one seat each. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put all I these strange great, people yeah. together and see what happens. Let us know what you think of that at Whippets RL. Big up Neil McKeon as well. He does look like a nice chap. By the way, before I let you go, what uh, I was reading up on heartbeats while I was out here because I was a bit worried that my heart was beating a bit too. You know, I'm getting on a bit. 34. <laughs> oh my God. That's um, the lifestyle you live, mate. Yeah, well, you know. Um, so I was reading, you know, between 60 and 100 is normal, but athletes, fine-tuned athletes mm. like you two guys should be about 40. Yeah. I'm so what's your, what's your heart you, John? Mine's 104. What? Yeah, Seriously? That's, high, that's, that's, that's what, resting. Die old. That's you. <laughs> that's your that resting heart rate. There's 104. I mean, I'm excited. Don't that's, get me wrong. Look, Will, I, I think you need to get off the phone and go and seek medical... I think my resting heart rate is like 45, 46. Yeah, I think mine's... Honestly? 40, actually, last time I checked. 
Mm. And that's just oh, not right. me trying to beat you. That's yeah, and fact. my <laughs> box squatted 200 kilos earlier today. He's been telling everybody. I did. I'm, I'm in trouble then, so I better put some clothes on and head, what, um, head to the hospital. Yeah, that's... Just go to the hospital. Don't worry about the clothes. Don't worry about the clothes. <laughs> it's cold over there, so it'd look extra small, wouldn't it? My new detail. I think yeah. you might yeah. be having like an Alan Partridge-style panic attack. Have you have you Probably. got have you eaten a full Toblerone? Are you going to drive to Dundee <laughs> in Dundee, bare feet? My bare feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we hope you don't die, Will. Um, if you do, um, we'll reference you in the if, next. If, just if podcast. I did die, who would you get to do the podcast? Um, probably Chappers Ch- yeah, or yeah. Hugh Woosencroft no no not Hugh no not you not Hugh Hugh no, no I'm but guys, I, we wouldn't I, I, we wouldn't I, replace I, you Will because to us you are irreplaceable it's very kind of you to say John I mean mm. um, I miss my babies um, we miss you too you know Mark I hope you're not sticking your fingers down your throat while I've been away have you been eating your meals like a big strong boy yep I know you want to play a bit bigger this season. Yeah. So, mm. you know, look after yourselves. I'll be back soon. Okay. I'm still um, bulking. So when are you, back, are you back for next week? I'm back for next week. Back in the dungeon. Brilliant. Back in the basement. Just back of the be, be mummy's brave soldiers just for another few days and I'll be back with you. It's always nice to hear from Will. It's it be- is, It's yeah. better when he's here, but he sounds like he's having a bloody good time. Yeah. He's, um, he's spending all his inheritance. I've got a worrying feeling that all that cash that he inherited from his father's demise, which you mentioned. Yeah, which we, he which does he get quite sad about. about. Yeah. A bit awkward, that, wasn't it? But I think, yeah, he's uh, live fast, die young. <laughs> Could be the, cover the case. <laughs> we hope you come back well yeah. and you don't die. Um, yeah, an interesting thing. I thought we'd pick up again uh, on something. We spoke there a bit about the drain of players. So bodies going from athletes going from rugby league to, to rugby union and, and we've maybe spoken a bit about how that hasn't worked out and maybe the reasons why it doesn't and, and actually there's some examples when it did work out Jason Robinson for example huge success and, and there's other examples out there but maybe one of the biggest issues or one of the biggest drains from rugby league to union is the brains yeah, you're very true. We said it before. A lot of a lot of coaches uh, are going from from league to union. I think he, did even Sean Edwards Edwards coach in league or did he go straight across to union? Did he finish his career in union and then went across. But I think, yeah, I, think, I, think so. I think there's there's a case for, for for more to go. To be honest, I think if the money's there and the opportunities are there, um, I know like, if, you, if you think about the, the coaches in the game, the young coaches we've both, both worked with. Like, Paul Wellens is one that, that comes to mind. He, I think he'll make a great coach, hopefully in league, but you, you can see his, his involvement with, with Wayne Bennett in England and he's probably going to be more prominent working with Saints, his first team in the coming years. And um, I think the principles that he had as a player is, is, will be able to transfer as a coach and then um, he's, he's got potential to, to do all sorts. Yeah, and he? I think what what is it that Rugby Union looks at in these the rugby league coaches so this is where rugby union for me has been exceptionally smart as opposed to rugby league they've extracted and extorted all of the information and knowledge and and coaching prowess that we have as a sport and the other way around I think we're really stubborn in accepting things that rugby union do really well so I think they've extracted all of this expertise the, the, the coaching expertise and I think what they look at is a defensive robustness tough style of defending a different way of defending in rugby union now there's a lot of this choke tackle clamping the ball slowing down possession and that's essentially a rugby league skill and and I I think Andy Farrell a lot of the guys who go into 
rugby union. I think Byron Paul Deacon, who's an offensive coach for for Sale, the mostly mostly um, attack, uh, mostly uh, defensive coaches, are they rather than attack? Well, they probably think if if a, and they're usually halfbacks or ball players, and a lot of times, so they they must want their knowledge of how to break down a defence and then well, evolve a defensive. Reverse, you reverse engineer it, don't you? you? Reverse how do you break down a defence? Well, did a, then we'll work out how to stop that. Yeah, correct. And, that's, so. and I think probably what what the rugby union looks at, don't they? Because you see things in, in rugby league. We stand twenty metres apart, and a defensive line has to move up aggressively to stop players doesn't it yep. in rugby union it's a more of a static defensive line the ball comes out the back feet and it's there's less distance really to take and there's more players but in union now they've started taking advantage of that getting off the line making strong contacts I speak to Luke Douglas whose brother plays um, Dougie Dougie who plays in the is it Super 14s or whatever the competition is yeah he plays in that, at that level right. and he um he was saying he's, he's been into his brother, speaking to his brother on the, you know, on the sort of topic on the of blower. families, on the blower, about line speed, about getting off his line and hitting people. And he's been doing that and putting it into practice. Well, I'm sure in, whether you play league or union, if you've got a defensive line coming at you, it shuts down your time. Um, you can't get up as much speed. So it, it makes sense in, in both sports. And um, I think... They used to, I think there's a, a, a phrase Gatlin Ball um, was uh, Warren Gatlin was coaching Wales and I think it was heavily influenced by Sean Edwards was this aggressive line speed both with um, with with the ball and defensively and I think that's probably come from rugby league as well and it's uh, probably during the, the success that Wales had four or five years ago was was originated from from that that technique yeah and I think look the the, the bigger challenge for, for rugby league is, is retaining the coaches the ironic thing is we go to Australia for our coaching expertise rugby union in this country comes to rugby league yeah. um, and there's a bit of a merry-go-round of, of, of recruitment of coaches that, that all seems a bit mad for me rugby league needs to retain the great young coaches yeah. and, and, and get those young English coaches coaching in Super League and make sure they're influencing in, in, in our best young players. I think there's less Aussie coaches in the game now than there were five, ten years ago. I think yeah. if you look at the head coach for most teams, they are probably English lads. And like we said, Wellow is, is, is a great coach. We've got Ian Watson, our head coach at Salford, has, has probably done above and beyond for the, for the squad we've got and the resources he's got. And uh, Martin Gleeson, who you've played with at Saints yeah, and I played really with at smart. Wigan, is as smart as a coach I've played with. He, he's... He wanders around training uh, when all the players are on the downtime with his laptop, just showing people different clips like a man possessed. And But he's so obsessed with it and he can find the most intricate detail on a move that can make such a big... Uh, such a big difference he was like that as a player I think players who are obsessed with the game and the detail of the game as players make coaches make great coaches yeah. and you can tell who the good young or the good players who are going to make great coaches and are. He, he, he's he's seen things two three steps ahead of most of our players so like he'll explain something and then go but, but if the defensive line does this or if he stands here you do this and adapt and it's going over all our heads because we've not got the rugby intellect that he's got yeah. um, and it, I'm, I'm sure he'll make a great coach for him yeah. when, when, he, when he gets the chance get him off the field that was diabolical Simbin this week I've got you surprised me then because you, you, start, you started off and uh you took the lead. I did take the lead. Well yeah. done, Mark. I've given you six, seven weeks as being. You've been learning, yeah. watching, sitting back, learning. I've been the assistant to the regional manager for a while now. Yeah, I've now taking my chance. Go for it, big boy. So the Simbin. I think snow games should be in the the Simbin. Uh, having watched snow games, yeah. <laughs> what like like the, like the Winter Olympics? 
No, we've discussed the Winter Olympics, biathlon and such, but not rugby league matches to be played in the snow, I think is a terrible mm. idea. Having seen the conditions that they attempted to play the Wakey Witness game before it being abandoned, um, looked horrendous. I think it's it's a terrible watch for spectators. What Having, about that I've, really, I've the fluorescent a, ball? That's always we, good. Isn't yeah, it? but you can't just play the game because it's a funny colour ball. Mm. We we played for Saints against Salford in 2013, I think it was, and there was a couple of inches of snow on the field and it was the worst spectacle. I think it was like 6-4 or something terrible like that. It was terrible for the players. Every scrum, the lads were whinging. They couldn't feel the fingers. It was just a pointless match and I think you're better off postponing it till a summer, a summer game and have a midweek match and it's so much better for the players. The spec is there's probably more people turn out to watch yeah. it. Do you know what though? I, love, I just don't like being cold. I know I love our country because you can play in snow in Super League. You can play in sun. It can be bright. It can be wet. It can be freezing. It can be warm. That's any sport though. No, but specifically in the northern hemisphere where we are, season our seasonal sort of weather makes it. You have to be adaptable. I love that you can watch a game in snow and a game in sort of like on an arid, dry pitch, and the variation of that makes you have to be adaptable. And I wouldn't want us to lose. Being we shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to play rugby with blue balls. We... Yellow on. Yellow. Ah, yeah. is a joke. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I think we've got a difference of opinion there, Mark. Well, what, it's what, going in. It's already in. It's already in. in. What have you got in the same? Um, airboards. They're not airboards. Advertising boards. I would say okay. at, at stadiums. What about the new ones, the electronic ones, where it, it's even worse? Even worse. Even worse. I, I just think um, pays your wages. That's that like, sort of stuff. Actually, the moving advertising boards at football are really distracting. Or is that just my mind? I can't. As a spectator. Yeah, I can't. Well, they're doing because, the job then, aren't they? Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm, I get distracted. But it's actually the flip of that. That I, the reason that they're going in, it's rugby league advertising boards. Why? So it's not uh, because. Um, predominantly not aspirational stuff. It'll be like Dave the Butcher on, you know, certain road. It'll be uh, Gardener or it'll be... A.D. Gardener. A.D. Gardener. That's good. That's another joke. That's two jokes, two, Mark. Well done. Two in seven ep- eight episodes. That's <laughs> yeah, your ratio is going through the roof. Um, yeah, no, I just think... Who benefits from an advertising board? You, because the sponsors pay, contribute to your wages. Yeah, but so no, probably no. about 10% got, of that 200 grand a year you're on uh, might come from sponsorship via the club. it's got to be a two-way street. And is there a benefit of having this board? Or is it just like tagged on to a sponsorship? You know, and we'll give you a board. I think it's an old school yeah, thing that'll change. Yeah. Like we'll give you a board. and, and Sponsor Wilkin for 500 quid yeah. for a season, we'll give you a board. Yeah, and that one where Steph Ratchford was uh, kicking the goal and the, there's the fan with his arse out directly behind. Uh, just hanging over the is it Betfred uh, advertising board or what, bet, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, good on him. Yeah. No, I just think advertising boards are a dying thing. They don't... Did you actually ever look at an advertising board and go and buy what's on it? Well, the fact that you noticed the dazzling one in the football with, it, with its No, with no, its no, that's different graphics because that's doing its job. Well, it's, it's like really you're noticing catchy. it, yeah. yeah. But then that's something like, for example, you go to Liverpool and it's a new new balance advert of their new boots. New balance, like, whoa, whoa, they're good whoa. boots, yeah, yeah. Give us a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> they already do. Oh, yeah. Um, look, I, I think if you're going to advertise, go big. I'll go home. So what would you define as big? What would you do? I don't know, like spray Just it onto co- the pitch. Just cover a stand no, in an advertising. The, spray it onto the pitch. Do that thing where it looks like when you sat in the stand, it looks like it's just upright. Like but 3D. it's actually really long. But they've already got like Betfred 
Super yeah, League on the pitch. Are you just going to fill the field with advertisements? Or just everyone get a big screen. Every rugby league team must have a big screen for every game. And on those big screens, between try decisions and whatnot, or in breaks in the game, that you have advertisements. Forget the A-boards, let's just do it like that. Well, that's been episode eight of Whippets and Flat Caps. Please remember to subscribe and download on iTunes or Podbean or... Your podcast provider. Yeah, just any, anywhere. I don't know, wherever you can get this podcast from, do it or try to do it. Um, alternatively, communicate with us uh, via at WhippetsRL on Twitter. We're still wanting questions. So anybody's got any questions, I know we said questions that make us sort of wince and and yeah. the question about other people's partners was, was okay. Yeah. Um, that's getting there. Yeah, we want um, it to be worse than that. Yeah, worse. We can go worse than we that. Really test as well. We're potential of getting sacked by our clubs for answering the question. That's where we want to go with this. I'd leave a review on iTunes if you get a chance. If you want to slag off the posh boy or John or myself, feel free. It's always nice reading it.